Hi, I'm Dr. Karen Becker, and deafness in pets means that they've lost or were born without the ability to hear. Hearing loss can be either partial or complete. If a pet was born deaf due to an inherited condition, it will be obvious at a very young age. There are over 30 breeds of dogs that are predisposed to deafness, including the Australian Shepherd, Boston Terrier, Cocker Spaniel, the Dalmatian, German Shepherd, Jack Russell Terrier, Maltese, Toy and Miniature Poodles, as well as the West Highland White Terrier. Most cases of hearing loss are seen in senior dogs. Cats with white coats and blue eyes seem to be predisposed to deafness. Cats with white coats that at the highest risk for developing congenital deafness or from birth deafness include Persians, Scottish Folds, Ragdolls, the Cornish and Devon Rex, Oriental Shorthairs, Turkish Angoras, Maine Coons, and the Manx. There are a few different causes for hearing loss in dogs and cats. One of them is a problem with conduction in which the sound waves simply can't reach the nerves in the ear. This can be due to inflammation of the outer ear or another external ear canal problem such as a ruptured eardrum, a tumor in the ear, or narrowing of the ear canal. Conduction problems can also be caused by inflammation of the middle ear. Another cause of hearing loss affects the nerves of the ear and can include degenerative nerve changes or anatomic from birth issues from uh, the animals just being born that way. But tumors or cancers of the nerve as well as inflammatory and infectious diseases of the middle or inner ear as well as trauma can all be root causes. Certain toxins and drugs can also affect hearing in pets and they include heavy metals such as arsenic, lead or mercury, and certain antibiotics as well as antiseptics and products that actually go directly in the ear to break down wax. Um, and there's actually some cases of diuretics, which are drugs that remove fluids from the body causing hearing loss as well as some chemotherapeutic agents. Other potential causes for hearing loss are long-term chronic inflammation of the ear. That can be the outer ear, the middle ear, or the inner ear, and that's usually caused by untreated ear infections. Symptoms of hearing loss for dogs and cats include a lack of response to everyday sounds, no response when their names are being called, or if you're you know, trying to engage with a squeaky toy and they simply don't hear it, or of course sleeping through loud noises. Your veterinarian will take a complete history of your pet's symptoms and health, including whether a dog or cat has been exposed to any medications uh, that could affect hearing. There is a test called a brainstem auditory evoked response or a bear test, which is a hearing test for pets that can be completed, but this test is usually done by neurologists at specialty centers or by veterinary schools. If your pet is young, and especially if he or she belongs to a predisposed breed, it could be that the deafness was present at birth. Your vet will also need to test, though, for other reasons. If you think your, your puppy or kitten was hearing and then suddenly they couldn't hear, your vet will absolutely do other additional tests, including a culture of the ear, a bacterial culture and sensitivity, will identify if there's infection present that could be contributing to the hearing loss. In certain pets, uh, for instance, senior pets that have dementia or animals with cancer or diseases of the cerebral cortex of the brain, those pets actually can also have hearing loss because the, the, there's interference with the brain's ability to actually make sense of what their ears are hearing. So there may not be anything wrong with the ear canal itself if you have an older animal, but it's more of a cognitive or brain-related issue. Sadly, Congenital deafness or deafness present from birth is irreversible and obviously permanent. If your pet's hearing loss is caused by inflammation of the ear, then oftentimes medical intervention or even surgical intervention can be really successful and beneficial. 
Treatment success will depend on the extent of the disease causing the deafness and the results of the bacterial uh, culture and sensitivity, as well as your pet's x-rays or CT scans to identify the underlying root cause. Conduction problems sometimes improve when, in, when the inflammation of the outer, middle, or inner ear is resolved. And believe it or not, there's actually some beneficial hearing aids that some pets can benefit from in rare situations. It's important to work with your veterinarian. If your pet was hearing and then suddenly doesn't hear, you want to work with your vet until you determine why, obviously. For pets that have congenital deafness or another type of hearing loss that is irreversible or permanent, there are absolutely things you can do to help your deaf pet live a safe and happy life. Uh, actually, dogs and cats both can adapt to using hand signals no problem, so hand signals and eye contact become very beneficial communication tools for your hard of hearing pets. Most dogs can easily be trained to recognize hand signals for come and wait very quickly. Obviously, hard of hearing animals must be kept on leashes when they go outside. Older animals that lose their hearing actually tend to adjust fine to being deaf. It's very, very rare. In fact, I've not had a situation, I've had many, many, many deaf dogs and cats, but I haven't had a single situation where my clients have said, you know what, they're not adapting well. So thankfully, pets tend to do fine if they go deaf in terms of uh, emotionally coping to their new handicap. Animals that were born deaf historically have a very poor chance of finding forever homes, but thankfully that's changing as well. Today I'm interviewing Lara Joseph, who is a behaviorist and trainer who has a lot of firsthand experience training deaf puppies. Laura, thank you for joining me. Thank you for asking me, Dr. Becker. It's an honor. Well, so Laura has this fantastic, um, amazing center. She, Laura trains everything from giraffes to, uh, to vultures, to pigeons, to endangered species, to pigs. Uh, but, uh, and she has this all online. She runs a really great training center. Um, and sh her information is invaluable because her, her depth and breadth of the number of species that she trains is amazing. But also, um, I think your approach is really wonderful, positive, uh, much needed. Um, because really, I, I, I view you as you help people learn how to communicate better with their own pets. And that's critical because I don't think we're naturally born speaking dog or speaking pig or speaking any of these other languages that we really need to learn. And you do a really good job. You're almost like um, you're a linguistics a translator almost. Like you, you, you take the, those, those subtle things that we're missing in the animal kingdom and you help owners and concerned people provide better care for their pets because they understand them better. And so we appreciate all that you do. Thank you. Today's topic is deaf dogs, and I asked Laura to join me not just because she's very well versed in the subject, but because she has recently adopted a blind and deaf puppy. So tell us a little bit about Snow. I know about Snow, but tell us a little bit, tell us the story about how Snow came about and maybe why. Snow came about, um, I, was one, I was looking for um, bringing in another deaf dog um, from that needed a home and I was going to train it um, doing, via my live streams and I posted on Facebook that I was looking for a deaf dog to offer my services to to help train and somebody out of Maryland knew a um, about Snow, a deaf and blind puppy that was down in North Carolina and said would you be interested in training a deaf and blind dog um, and I thought about it for about an hour mm -hmm. and thought this would be, you know, 
the type of training we could do could be such an educational tool for everybody to watch live. So the next weekend I was driving down to North Carolina to pick up snow. And, and she's been here almost a year. A year, yeah. And the evolution, um, of course, I'm just watching online, but the evolution is just magnificent. Like it gives me, I have goosebumps now, it gives me goosebumps. And really chokes me up to think about um, how many of these dogs, so her, her story is so beautiful. And part of it is you're an expert trainer. That helps a lot, Laura. It helps a lot to have an expert trainer uh, coach you through some of these things. But what you have shown is that not only is it possible to have an amazing relationship with dogs that have special needs, um, they're incredibly trainable and they're looking, they, they're, they, they're looking for uh, relationships just like any other animal. Um, sure. How has this, how has this experience changed you as, as an animal behaviorist? Uh, she, um, she's probably been one of my best teachers because she can't see, she can't hear. So I have limited senses to work with. Um, and it's just being creative, observing her body language, um, and how she responds to mine, which is through, uh, touch and sense of smell. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing that I can't do with snow and that snow can't do with me that I cannot do with any of my other animals. So what snow has taught me is just to really open my mind, think outside the box and work with the senses that she has. And, you know, she, she learns to sit. She comes when I ask her to come, she's, um, I've taught her to heal, so she walks loosely, you know, on a loose lead beside me. And um, she, there's nothing she can't do that the other animals can't do. Um, she just can't see and she can't hear. Just amazing. It's totally amazing. Now, you have another deaf dog as well. Tell us about that dog. Levi. Um, Levi is our deaf Old English Bulldog. He will be four um, here within the next couple of months. And I was contacted by a breeder that said she didn't want to put him down just because he was deaf. So I said, that doesn't need to happen. Will you relinquish him to me? I will train him and find him a home. Um, that was my first foster fail. <laughs> <laughs> so he resides with me because everybody was that was following the work with Levi said, why are you not keeping him and educating the deaf dog community uh, on, on how you work with him? Um, so and training a deaf dog is, it's not hard. Uh, a lot of people get, you know, nervous about it or afraid of it because it's all it is is a different form of communication. Mm -hmm. um, so working with all of the senses except for hearing. You probably had no idea the number of people that would be contacting you after, probably, probably from around the world, but certainly I know around the country, people that uh, have encountered a deaf, a deaf puppy and they're like, oh my gosh. I think sometimes people's hearts go out immediately uh, and they end up maybe making a sporadic, they want to rescue or you know, they yeah. end up saying, oh my gosh, I, you know, I have a special needs dog, something's going to happen. They maybe jump the gun and they bring home the puppy and then they're like, oh my gosh, now what? So right. before people take the plunge, uh, what are, do you have any tips that you would offer before if people are thinking about adopting a deaf puppy? What are some tips that you would give them? Sure. Um, if you're considering it, um, don't feel sorry for, don't adopt because you feel sorry for the animal. Um, I know a lot of people jump into that because they feel the dog needs immediate rescuing. 
Um, one of the biggest things that I get contacted about is people tend to let the deaf dog get away with everything inside the house because they feel sorry for it. And then you just have a deaf dog that is a wild, um, crazy dog, a wild, yeah, crazy deaf dog. Yes. And it doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to be, um, training a deaf dog is just a diff different form of communication. You're working with a lot of visuals, um, a lot of hand signals and, um, it's, it's not hard. I mean, I really enjoy training deaf animals. And uh, if people decide, okay, I have the time commitment, I'm sure if you could guesstimate, Laura, the average, not maybe a, maybe a, not a puppy with, the, with diagnosed ADD, or, but an average puppy, would you say that the training commitment of a deaf dog would be double the time commitment? How much more? Is it not necessarily any more time commitment, just, just a different form of training? If someone was thinking yeah. about this, would they, how much more time would they need to really allocate for the dog being special needs? I don't think there's any more time okay. that needs to be allocated. It's just um, informing yourself before before you adopt a deaf dog on um, getting used to this different or new line of communication, understanding uh, uh, body language and sign language. I don't think there's any more time commitment than and, training a dog that can hear. And so in those situations, they're like, okay, I'm going to do this. I have the time. Where would someone go? I don't think all behaviorists, and certainly not all trainers, have experience with this, Laura. Where would someone go uh, if they're going to make this commitment? I'm a huge believer in kind of pre-paving or be, being proactive, which means thinking about what that puppy needs before you ever bring the puppy home. Yes. I would anticipate that you would also advocate that they find a trainer or behaviorist beforehand, or at least yeah. when they know the puppy is coming. How I know you, and that's a blessing, But and now hopefully everyone else knows you too, but uh, how do people go about finding a trainer that that is really good and appropriate at how they're training a dog that is deaf? Yeah, there's a couple different resources. Um, I'm a big promoter of uh, deafdogsrocks.com, um, ran by Christina Lee and her husband. They have a plethora of information on what to do before you get into this. Um, they have blogs, videos, um, how, what different types of sign language, um, what different things mean. I also have the Deaf Dog Project, which is um, an annual subscription to a Facebook, a private Facebook group where we do weekly live streams. Um, and, you know, as you and I were talking, I do consults, uh, private online consults with people from all over the world. We also have our blog on our website. Um, there's also um, a group called the Pet Professional Guild where you can find um, well-qualified uh, animal trainers, um, especially dog trainers from all over the world. Mm -hmm. Okay, wonderful. So there's some resources out there. I think, certainly I think from both of our opinions, it is important that you are thinking about finding an appropriate behaviors and trainer before you bring that puppy home. Not to say you can't do it on your own, but you would need to make sure that you are one step ahead of that puppy so that the puppy, you're not unknowingly creating some behavior problems that you don't want later on down the road. Exactly, because if that animal can see, hear, smell, or feel you, you're already training it anyways. The key question is, what are you training it to do? Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. So anything people should do before they bring home a deaf puppy to prepare the home? Anything different? Obviously, with all puppies, you know, you think about stairs, you think about cords, you think about plants, anything on the ground. Would you do anything different with a deaf dog? 
Um, a couple of things I could say about a deaf dog is um, like with living with our deaf dogs, uh, Levi, they tend to, there's two things I really want to address. They tend to really watch in mirrors and reflections in windows because mm. they can't hear what's going on behind them. Mm -hmm. They tend to really watch mirrors. So while their back is turned, um, they can still see what's going on behind them. They will also depend on other animals within the house and react to their sense of sound. Um, like Levi here um, really pays attention to Quincy, our other dog that can fully hear and see. And um, she is his ears. Yeah. Something else with deaf dogs, um, um, a tip I can give is never sneak up behind them, especially if they're sleeping. There's something I do with because you can really startle them and you can create a lot of fear responses that just don't need to be there. So with Levi, before, uh, if he's sleeping or if his head is turned the other way, I just blow on him so he can smell. And then he knows that's my communication to him. I'm right behind you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Um, those first few months that are so critical for all puppies, actually, you know, the whole first year is critical, but the first few months uh, where you're really focusing on developing a long-term excellent relationship, uh, any suggestions uh, that you can give us uh, for people that maybe have not gone down this path before? Yes, absolutely. Um, with deaf dogs, from the get-go, if I can give you one piece of advice that will set you on the right track immediately is always reinforce eye contact. So every time your deaf dog, especially in the beginning, every time your deaf dog looks at you, tell them this is usually a very common sign for good. Um, that communicates back to them. That's the, that's the behavior I'm looking for. And then make sure to reinforce that on a continuous schedule of reinforcement. In the beginning, which means every single time that eye contact is made, reinforced 100% of the time. That is how you get a very reliable recall with a deaf dog. Because if they can't hear you, they can't hear you say, ask, you, ask them to come to you. So if you, in the beginning, always reinforce eye contact, it causes that dog to always look at you for information. So if that dog is standing in front of you and there's something that is getting ready to happen that you don't want the dog to do, the dog will likely tend to look, turn and look at you for information and then you can tell him to good, come and uh, reinforce. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes it makes complete sense. And I uh, I think that a lot of times, I've never raised a, a deaf dog. Interesting, when I grew up, when I was very, very, very young, my parents had a deaf Dalmatian, uh, but the dog died when I was two and a half. So I have very, like my very first memories uh, of life were cuddling with a, Dal, a Dalmatian, which of course at that time I did not know was deaf. But I personally, of course, and then I have deaf patients come in, but I have not lived with a deaf dog. So it's that makes total sense to me. And I think that that's a really excellent tip, especially because those are the things you can focus on from the minute you pick that puppy up. So that's a really great tip. And another one, if I can say real Please. Quick. Yes, please. Is um, this is one that I give to everybody. Keep your animal used to change. If you can keep them used to change, um, it just sets them up for a very successful future. Mm -hmm. And they tend to not have a lot of more uh, fear reactivity. 
Um, so, I mean, that's a huge tip that I give to everybody. And you, and you always want to start there with reinforcing calm behavior in the presence of anything new into their environment. Okay, and it, also a great tip. If this is, if all of these terms, let's say even the, that term reinforcements, I, some people that maybe are, are, are not necessarily have been involved with any type of animal behavior work, they may not, not even know what that is. So one of the best advice, pieces of advice that I can give our readers and subscribers is that if you're contemplating adopting a puppy that is hearing impaired, Aligning yourself with people who've been through this process, people who have um, behavior training skills, positive training skills, I think is really one of the most important pieces of information that I could ever give you. And that's one of the things that I have so appreciated about you, Laura, is working remotely. You're able to really share your expertise with people from around the world, which I think is such a valuable gift in these situations where probably, you know, 30, 40 years ago, these puppies most likely had 100% death sentence because people did not know how to go about working with these animals. You are providing yeah. a light, you're providing a light and you're providing um, uh, resources as well as a really the foundation of a long-term meaningful great relationship because you've approached uh, training with by, by just a different fashion. So I appreciate all that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. And I always tell people, you know, search for the education in, in, the, in, the, in the right education. And I always tell people, when you know better, you do better. And I think that that's a really important point. If you are well-versed in training and you really feel like you got this, then wonderful. But if not, if you get to a, a maybe a behavior issue or a training hurdle or a bump in the road, I think rather than waiting and thinking you can work it out on your own, when you have some of these special needs animals, one of the best tips I can give you is address bumps as they come along. And if you need professional help, know that finally we're in a day and age where those resources are available to you. And I appreciate you, Lara, for being one of them. Thank you very much.